WDBM East Lansing. You are listening to Impact Izzo, the student voice of Michigan State University basketball. Bringing you news, updates, and more. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Impact Izzo, your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball, brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM, a part of the Impact Sports Podcast Network. If you don't know, I'm not Ryan Cole. I'm Julian Mitchell. I'm in the host chair now. I got the power. It's all me now. But it's me, <laughs> Julian Mitchell, joined in Studio H today by everyone's favorite, always here, consistently, Amanda Poole. Hello, hello. We are back. We are back and better than ever. We got two new faces. We do. In the studio with us to break down a whole lot of games today. Starting off with the guy to my left, the one and only Mr. Joe Dandron. What up? <laughs> Short and sweet, a man of very few words. And the guy right across from me, the one and only Luke Sloan. Really happy to be here, Julian. Really happy. Thanks. I'm so glad much. everyone hey, I'm has happy. Hey, I'm happy to be so here much too. to say. Wow. I'm happy to be here too, guys. Gosh. You don't press the record button for once and everybody's like, I'm just happy to be here. No, it's all good. It sounds so rehearsed. No, I have I have more personality than that statement may have indicated. So <laughs> he's foreshadowing. I'll try well. to I'll try to uh, portray that a little better as we move forward. That's all right. You're holding it in for some of the hot hot takes. Oh yeah, Whoa, I'm, I'm saving got. it. I'm saving it. <laughs> saving it. Saving it. But you guys, we got a whole lot of basketball to talk. It's been a hot minute. A hot minute since we have recorded the Impact Is On podcast. Been about what was it? I think like a month. Yeah, it's since been we've a, it's been a hot minute. That's a I, long. I don't a know why. Is, a like, month is a second. That's... It's been a hot minute. It's been a brick. What else? Like it's been, a, been a quick sec. It's been a quick sec. Is I don't I don't I don't know what she anyway. wants to say here. Since like seventh grade. But, oh man. But we'll go with that. I, one too. Mike, I'm sorry. Savage. You gotta. Okay. Throw some words around. But either way, Woo. whole lot of basketball. Christmas time. Happy New Year was all around. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everyone. Merry Real Christmas quick, too. I just want to go around, ask how everyone's doing, and get your Christmas breaks. You got a memorable highlight? Something happened? Amanda, you want to start? You're laughing a I whole mean... lot. I think you got something to say. <laughs> I got some shoes for Christmas. No shocker there. And I'm just, I just can't wait to put all my outfits together eventually. You know, that's... That sounds very materialistic, but that's what I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's all right. You just want to flex on the haters a bit. I see you. Exactly. Luke? You know, hate to continue the trend, but you could call it a materialistic holiday for me, too, because I got a lot of clothes. I got a pair of shoes. Oh, so we both see, got a pair of shoes. Not the only one. But it was a happy holiday for me and all the new clothes I got. So I think that's the theme of the podcast so far, clothes. We'll see if that trend has continued, clothes. Joe. I mean, I did get some, you know, I did get some nice stuff. You know, of course, clothes, like a lot of people do, especially now you get to that kind of time when you're in college, it's usually what you get. Yeah, that's when you need it the most, though. Yeah, honestly. Uh, like, I always need a pair of socks. Yeah. Oh, I, I, but, hey, got the Baker Mayfield jersey. I was very happy Ooh, about that. That's oh. a really Ooh, nice but, pickup. Forgot, but, you're a Cleveland fan, aren't you? Yes, I am. Go Browns. But, <laughs> I, you know, you got to throw that out there if you say something about it. But I will say I was really glad to go down to Columbus, Ohio, and see a lot of my family for my cousin's wedding. You know, I had a really good New Year as well. Wait, are you from um, Columbus? No, my parents are. Oh, I'm so, from Ohio too. No, oh, nice. Um, huh. so, I mean, it was just good. To- <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. He's like, oh, nice. Don't interrupt my I story. Swear, I swear. <laughs> the it's tone got, like, a so guy. fast. No, I no. Well, we'll, we'll talk after the podcast about that for sure. But <laughs> shut up. I will say this. I'm not 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 acknowledging that. You know. So hey, that's awesome. Oh, H. But 
I will. You're supposed to say something. I, I know, but I don't root for OSU. You said O H I know. That's oh, I didn't see that. That's really clever. But oh, wow. it was good getting to see the family. You know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody, we're doing awesome. The whole fam was doing great. It was awesome to spend some time with them. You know, I come from a big family, got a lot of siblings, so it was awesome to spend time with, you know, get all six of us together. So it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I did the same thing as well. Just hung out with the family, all the Mitchell clan out there. So shout out to the Mitchells. Shout out to the Dandrons. Just a, a bunch of buttes in the Dandron family. But just a fantastic Christmas break. Michigan State men's basketball did not stop for Christmas break. They played a whole lot of games, and – we got a lot to go over. I mean, there was a game that we didn't get to talk about before break even started, and then all the three games over break, and up until this point, there has been a lot, a lot of basketball. But I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. So the first game we're going to go over, Michigan State goes on the road to Florida. Crazy wild world of Florida where they have alligators and other crazy things that no one wants to talk about. Uh, Michigan State goes on the road and defeats Florida 63-59. to Xavier Tillman led the way in that game with 14 points, 9 rebounds, 3 steals. He was 6-7 from the field. Langford and Ward both combined for 13 points, or both came together for 13 points each. And I don't want to spend too much time on this game just because it was so far back in time. I feel like Marty McFly. But I do want to go around and get everyone's top takeaways from this Florida game. I mean, it is a quality road win against, you know, a kind of okay Florida team. They play well on one side of the ball, not so well on the other, as we'll get into. But I just want to get everyone's thoughts on that game and where they're coming from this Michigan State basketball team at that point. No, and that's the thing is, I mean, obviously Florida is a long time removed from the days of Billy Donovan and, you know, the Al Horford days when they were winning all those championships, making all those runs in the tournament. But, I mean, this Florida team is extremely good defensively. Um, I believe their efficiency is extremely high defensively. Um, when you look at the statistics from Ken Palm, and it's just, but offensively, they were incapable almost of scoring in the half court. Their half court offense was honestly pretty bad. And in transition, they were great. They had some quick guards. They were really able to get up and down the floor because of how well they played defensively. They're able to get a forced lot of turnovers. But in the end, it didn't really make a difference because Michigan State still came out on top. But, and you can attribute that to a lot of things. Langford hit a lot of shots late in that game. Because State really did not play well, in my opinion, um, over the last about, you know, over the first 30 minutes. It took about until the last 10 minutes of that game for them to really, for Michigan State to really get going. Um, Arns, who stepped up in a really big way and has continued to do so so far this season after being out all of last year with an injury. Um, Arns had some really big buckets. And Langford, like I just said, hit some big shots late in that game to really put Michigan State over the edge. Um, and road wins. To a lot of people, and someone who's a local guy, Graham Couch, yep. are the most important thing. Oh, the most important. And, I mean, just to give you the stats, like you said, Florida, as of right now, they were 63rd offensive efficiency at the time playing Michigan State. But as of now, they are 81st in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, at 107.1. And then adjusted defensive efficiency on the other side of the coin, they are ranked 5 in the nation at 88 one so I mean a tale of two sides of the court for this basketball team they play great on one end not so fantastic on the other like they're allergic to scoring buckets but I mean to me that was a big part of the game and so was Langford's play but a big guy who stuck out to me was Kyle Arns. Kyle Arns big game this was the Kyle Arns game for Michigan State it was kind of a, a coming out party in my opinion for him this year 
you know, we have all, of course, know that he missed all of last season with injury. Like Joe said, some bi- only seven points in the game, but a lot of big buckets down the stretch in this game. And really just looking big picture for Michigan State, they already had the, the one road test at Louisville. Unfortunately, they did not, you know, come out of that test victorious. And Louisville is, you know, a borderline tournament team. But then you look at Florida, they're one of the top teams in the SEC, great defensively, on the road in Gainesville. To come out of an environment like that with a win is is a big early season victory, and the Spartans can really take a lot away from that kind of game. I mean, speaking about Kyle in general, just the fact that, yeah, he only had seven points in the game, but those were the, you know, turning points. Those were the, where the, where the crowd's going, where, you know, the being on the road, you need that like hype up on the court, and that's what his job was in that game. And and to really, I mean, he's not one of the captains, but I mean, he did a great job of hyping the team up and and moving them past points of you know no momentum, no pickup, and I mean his dunk, his you know his shot. Now it's I mean that's what they need him for because sometimes when the other players are struggling to you know make ends meet, those points are the ones that are going to help them move forward and and keep going and and make those leads. Yeah, and, and my thing with Arns is is that every good team needs guys who just know how to play their role and not just play their role and be at the right spots and be at the right places, but be able to be consistent and knock down the right. jumper when you need them to. And I think so far this season, especially in this Florida game, Arns was that guy. He did what was necessary for him. The ball was in his hands. He knew where to go with it, especially during the Florida game. I mean, he takes a dunk down the baseline. <laughs> That's off shot, a loose ball. The shot clock's winding, da- winding down. He has one play to make. And a lot of players would freeze up in that situation, but this is a guy who's had reps in basketball. He's been injured a lot, but he's been able to see the game, and he made the right decisions. Yeah, Kyle Arns, he's not a guy that's afraid to take the big shot. You know, playing a big role is kind of, Amanda was saying, like a spark plug off the bench. But we, know, of course, know now that, that his role has kind of evolved into something a little bit more different now, which we'll kind of get into later. Yeah, we'll get into that a ton. But, yeah, Kyle Arns was pretty much one of the biggest stories for me in this game. This was the game, like— my dad, he always will find a player, especially like a Kyle Arns or some guy who's just like a role player, a bench player, and then he'll get mad at them when they don't make their shots. <laughs> but he'll always start to champion them when they start playing well. And so, like, he has really picked up on the Kyle Arns strain. He's like, Arns, my favorite player every time he checks into the game. So if anybody wants to send a Kyle Arns jersey my way so I can give it to my dad, that would be that would be sweet. He would love that. But, yeah, that was the story for that Florida game, and Michigan State moves on after that win. And they get set for a Christmas break gauntlet. They move to 9-2 and two with the win against Florida and start a three-game streak over pretty much the Christmas break piece where they play Green Bay, Oakland, and Northern Illinois. Three games that aren't huge, not great teams, should be easy wins for Michigan State, and they went and they, they got the job done. A win against Green Bay, 104-83, a win against Oakland, 99-69, and a win, a win against Northern Illinois, 88-60. to These are all games to me much like Florida, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on Michigan State. Need, don't want to say need, obviously, but these are games where you say Michigan State versus Green Bay, easy. Michigan State, Oakland, Michigan State, easy pick. They're supposed to win these games, and they did. They went out and handled the job. This, to me, Christmas break, this stretch was more just the time, as Izzo said, for the team to practice, the freshmen to get minutes, and everyone to get ready and healthy for a very long Big Ten stretch they had. No, and these three games – when you look at Michigan State's schedule, those are three games. They're going in, the coaches, the players, the fans, all think Michigan State needs to win those games, and they did, which was big. Um, Green Bay, Oakland. Oakland at times, I mean, in recent years, has at some points given 
Michigan State a little bit of trouble. Oakland, especially, they played at Oakland, I believe, correct? They played at Oakland. There was the game at the Palace, of course, that we know yes. about that was a very this, back, very close back and forth. Yeah, contest. and that was, I believe, a year ago. This year, they played here. Okay. In a year or two ago, they would have went, I believe, at Oakland. But this year was here at the Breslin Center. Yes, and there was the, I mean, and you saw the year it, when Kay Felder was there, and I believe, jo- uh, not Javon Best, but someone, I mean, there was a year Javon Best was still on the team at Michigan State, and they got beat by Oakland, or it was like a really close game. And I mean, Oakland had given this team trouble at times. You know, it's an in state school. The fans of Oakland travel pretty well, a lot of alumni and all that. Um, but, you know, one of the, you know, the really interesting game to me, I was there calling it with uh, Ian Gilmore was Northern Illinois. And Northern Illinois was a very interesting team because they could score the basketball. Um, And Michigan State is very strong defensively. And Michigan State, I mean, on both sides of all, Michigan State is pretty strong. And Northern Illinois, I thought, matched up very well with them in a lot of ways. And one guy that really stood out to me, Julian, you and I were talking about him before, was Mm -hmm. Eugene German of Northern Illinois was great in that game. He had, like, one made basket at halftime. And then he went six of eight in the second half and got twenty points. Um, that guy from NIU leads the MAC in scoring. Um, legit NBA prospect. But Michigan State moved the ball extremely well. And that game from Cassius Winston in that one was one of the best that I'd ever seen. Talking kind of about Winston, one thing that I really picked up from this stretch: twenty six points for Winston in the Oakland game, twenty four points in the Northern Illinois game. Two of his better all around offensive performances in a single game of his career. This was really a stretch where he really got comfortable, really took the reins of this team, ran the break well, performed well on both sides of the ball, which Tom Izzo noted. And with this coming right before you know Northwestern and as Big Ten play started, to have the, the guy that's, in my opinion, in command of this team who really dictates what direction this team goes in game to game, to have him really get going and, and gain a lot of momentum going into conference play, that was the main thing I'd take from the, the Christmas break gauntlet. Yeah, and you, you talk about Cassius Winston. One thing that I wanted to bring up, because it is um, news as of this week, but Winston was named to be, I mean, obviously this is it's the middle of the season, so any a lot of people are going to be on these watch lists, but he's on the Winston Wooden Award midseason top 25. And a lot of people I know, Brendan Quinn, who writes for The Athletic and is always at Michigan and Michigan State games, tweeted out after the Purdue game, because I want, do want to talk about this more. It's one of the takeaways I have, but bringing it up now since you talked about Winston, is that Winston is probably, as of now, the best guard in the Big Ten. I mean, there is a conversation to be had about him being one of the best point guards nationally, but I think, kind of agreeing with Quinn, that I think looking at what he does and what he does for Michigan State, he is the best point guard in the Big Ten. And I think this stretch here was kind of the beginning of seeing that play from him, and we're going to talk about it more with Ohio State and Purdue, for me at least. But I think this began his nice stretch he had. Yeah, 100%. And I also think... I mean, being the best guard is not only being able to score, but he makes so many plays, and he just the basketball IQ is totally there. And he just knows the court. He sees the court. And sometimes it's not that he's scoring. Like in the first half, he might not be scoring at all, but he's making the passes that you need for the team to function well. And, I mean, that's what makes a really good guard, not just offensively. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And a big part of what Izzo wanted to do with this Christmas break is to get freshman reps. And I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of moments to talk about the freshmen later on in these these next couple of games. So for now, looking at this three-game stretch, and then you can also use what you've seen in these last couple of games for you guys who have been the freshmen that have stood out. And are there any guys that you still want to see get more reps and you think could be a piece to this, this team right now? 
I Aaron Henry for sure. Aaron Henry to me was coming in. I remember I was at the at that Northern Michigan game with you, Julian. I believe we were covering that one, and mm-hmm. it was Aaron Henry looks looked physically ready for Division One basketball. You know, the first week he came to Michigan State, and to me, Henry defensively can guard one through three and sometimes the four spot. Um, and offensively, he's improving a lot. I think that he has the most potential to be a really consistent starter for this Michigan State team throughout his tenure here. Um, but in terms of the most potential, I would also I would probably like you know uh, Bingham from Grand Rapids is probably has the most potential to be the best player of that class. I think. You know, kind of looking at the freshman group right now, Aaron Henry is the guy you'd say is the most improved right now. You have a guy like Foster Lawyer, of course, that is already seeing minutes as a backup ball handler. But then I believe the the player with the highest ceiling out of this group of freshmen is Gabe Brown. Now, Gabe Brown was a guy that I covered multiple times in high school. He went to Belleville High School, which is about 10 minutes from my house, Celine, Michigan. Little shout out there, all my people, all my Hornets and Celine. But he's a guy that, to quote Ryan Collins on Twitter, Oh, we're quoting Ryan Collins? Yes, we are. Jeez. He can't miss. Big. Every, t- every time he takes a, th- a three, it seems like God, what a it goes dust. in. What a duster. Yeah, Kids Ryan Collins. But he's got a high ceiling. Once he de- He's got a big 6'7", six, 6'8", six, frame. Once he develops a little more physically, he's a guy that, that was able to stretch the floor in high school, shoot from beyond the arc. He's got a really high basketball IQ. He's a guy that really knows where his teammates are on the floor at different times. When he was in high school with Belleville, he— he was kind of like a point forward, like a LeBron or a Kevin Durant or somebody you'd see handle the ball kind of in the NBA. But he's a guy that is inside, outside, long defensively. I mean, he's kind of an underrated, under-the-radar guy right now, but his ceiling might be just as high as any of these guys. I mean, going off of kind of what you guys said, yeah, Aaron Henry, he's kind of the star of that freshman class. And you can just see that because he does look the most ready, and he is the most ready just because I feel like I haven't seen enough of Bingham, and I wish I saw more of him over those three games. Um, Like we talked about before, that was kind of one of my expectations, but I didn't see him play um, as much as I thought he was going to. And, I mean, talking about Foster Lawyer, I was really excited to see him play because Winston is getting not overplayed, but, yes, he's playing, like, almost the entire game. And it would be nice to know, for the Spartan fans at least, that they have a backup point guard that they can trust in and be confident in. Um, so seeing Lawyer go in there for those minutes here and there to kind of like make those plays, you know, last 30 seconds, one possession, what is he going to do with it? And he makes a good pass. Um, I think those moments like that helped uh, Izzo be more confident in him with giving Winston a break. You know, kind of looking at a guy like Lawyer, you know, people say, you know, his strengths are, you know, a word we've used a lot is basketball IQ. He definitely has one of those big time player at Clarkson High School, but obviously he still has a long way to go on the defensive side of the floor guarding guards that may be a little quicker or a little bit bigger than him. But, you know, obviously that's something that it's going to improve in his time here. Yeah, and I had a very similar thought to to all of you. Uh, I do think Aaron Henry, to me, is probably my favorite, the guy I would give as far as freshman of the year for this Michigan State team. I think he's performed night in and night out. And the growth that I've seen from him as far as his perimeter defense has been impeccable. And we'll get into it, like, I guess I'll bring it up now, talking about Purdue – but the way they defended Carson Edwards, I mean, Matt McQuaid had most of the night he was on Edwards, but when he needed a blow, he needed to take a break, Henry was going out there on him, and Henry held his own, and he was a big part of Carson Edwards being completely off against in the game against Michigan State. I had the pleasure of traveling to Ohio State with one Kyle Turk, 
to cover that game in Columbus. And that was another game, like you talk about the Purdue game, where Henry really showed out defensively. In that Ohio State game, Henry received a large amount of playing time and played some key minutes down the stretch in that game at Columbus. Lots of steals, active hands. He was in on almost every single play defensively, and he did not. It, it was the first big, you know, the the first Big Ten road test of the year for this Spartan team. Tom Izzo trusted him, gave him big minutes, and he did not look afraid at all. Exactly, and another like just commenting another guy, Gabe Brown. I think he's a guy who can who could play a little bit more. I like what he does to stretch the floor. I do agree a lot with a lot of people that defensively there's some question marks. But in terms of stretching the floor, I mean, I'm looking at this Michigan State team, and you could use a guy like that, especially when the bench only goes six, seven, eight deep. You only got three or four guys you're bringing off the bench that are at least consistent performers. I think he could be something. I think he could use some more reps to see where he's at. No, and Gabe Brown is a lot, you know, of that Aaron Henry type. Is long, athletic build, can defend multiple positions. Um, so those guys, I think, are going to be really consistent contributors to Tom Izzo's squads mm-hmm. over the next couple of years because just the way that they're kind of like a you know Swiss Army knife type of player. They both can play, and they both are strong driving to the hoop. They both can stretch the floor and shoot the three ball. Um, and they both can create. And Aaron, but and you know, and Aaron Henry specifically is athletically, you know incredible in a lot of ways because of the way he's just able to move on the floor great cutter to the hoop and everything like that um but you know and to kind of talk about these freshmen still I think in a lot of ways the one of the class that we've seen so far with a lot of the most question marks that I've had is Foster Lawyer because of you know people talk people watched him at Clarkston in back-to-backs he won back-to-back state titles at Clarkston he had 40 I believe he had 40 plus in both those games and his junior year he played against Tillman and to me, lawyers' ability—you know—I'm still waiting to see lawyers' game translate at a really high level to the collegiate level, um, in terms of defensively and you know shooting the ball and being able to score. Passing, he's fine. He can dribble. He can handle the rock and make the right passes. But scoring is what I'm kind of worried about with lawyer. I, I completely agree. And it, to me, the thing that gets me about lawyer is whether. I mean, his height is an issue. Is he five eleven or is he? You know, he's <laughs> yeah, I mean, at six foot. Like he's, he's listed that's at very six. Generous. That's so so generous. So like, and that's no disrespect to him because I'm shorter than him. But like, <laughs> we know you're not six foot, my man. He's much better. You know, I mean, I, yeah, no disrespect to lawyer, of course, but it, you know, you've got to take size into account at this level of basketball because you look at Cassius Winston. It is great build for a point guard. Mm-hmm. Physically, he matches up very well with a lot of guards at the Division One level. And lawyer, I just don't see that. And he's not like a super aggressive, dirty player like you see, like those, like you see a lot of guys of that that are smaller guards like that, where they just play dirty and they play really physical. He doesn't seem to have that type of, you know, that competitive, you know, anger. Exactly, and he's gonna need that because this game against Purdue, Winston, who isn't, you know, tall in his own right, but he does, he is able to hold his own, has to go up against Nojel Eastern, who I believe is like six five, six six. I mean, if he gets six, got, six, yeah. six, six, he gets guards like who... 220 pounds. 220 pounds. He's a, he's a bigger physical forward guard, I like to call him. He Just watching him watching him in produce sets, it's just a, a very awkward <laughs> a, a very awkward idea. I just had a, a really hard time <laughs> coming to grips with that. He's it, just a very strange player. But it, that's, but it, my, that's enough on him, though. Exactly, and it, it, it's just wild. I don't know if Foster Lawyer is ready for that yet, and... I, I do agree with you. I think looking at, uh, you know, watching his highlight tapes and what he did in high school, a lot of people don't understand that it is a different game, high school to college. 
And a lot of players played well in high school. I think Kyle Arns, even though he may have averaged 30 or he may have been really good in high school as well, and he's not a starter for Michigan State. I mean, not to say they're not great players in their own right, but they're not going to be the guys just because the game is so different. It's at a high speed. Players are a little bit more physical, a little bit bigger. And so I think that's where Foster Laura is at. I think this is a year where I don't think you're going to count on him necessarily, but we'll see what happens next year. I think that is going to, especially for all these freshmen who we haven't seen get a lot of minutes, Marcus Bingham, next year is going to be the year that you kind of see where they go. But moving on from those three games and the, and the freshmen as well, I do want to get into MSU starting the long Big Ten stretch at Northwestern. They go on the road to take on Northwestern. And this was a game, while on paper you don't think Northwestern is going to be a challenge for Michigan State, Northwestern played the, I believe, then number 5 Michigan team on their home floor to a two-point game. They lost 62-60 in that game on December 4th, but they played them well, and a lot of people thought that Northwestern could have a chance to come and pull an upset against Michigan State on their home floor. Michigan State wasn't having any of that, though. They go on the road, take on Northwestern, and get a huge win over the Wildcats. And, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about this game. It was just a huge blowout, 81-55, the final score. It was a great team win for Michigan State. I mean, they had a, five guys in double figures to Northwestern's one. Uh, I mean, Pardon came away, and he did all of all he could to kind of help around and try and defeat the Spartans for the Wildcats, but it just wasn't enough when Michigan State's got a bunch of guys running out there putting up double figures. No, and this is a Northwestern team that as recently as, I believe, last year had made the NCAA tournament. You know, for the first time in, I, you know, God knows how long it had been. Um, they were a good team last year. Northwestern was mm-hmm. they had the oh I mean everybody's seen the highlight of that game winner against Michigan and it's just a different team now and at times you know you could say oh it's a tough road environment but Michigan State went to Northwestern and really got it done kind of looking at this game statistically and more from a game plan look one of the things Northwestern does amongst you know they do this better almost better than pretty much everyone in the country is they defend the three-point line extremely well you see Michigan State in this game very early, very often, feeding Nick Ward, feeding Tillman. Tillman had 14 in that game, which tied a career high. Ward had 21, all of which were in the first half. But they outscored Northwestern in the paint 52-28. to 28. They, just, they chose not to shoot threes. They only shot four in the first half of that game. Inside and often, running the, running the entire offense through Ward, through Tillman. And, you know, Really, in that game, Ward showed a very nice ability to pass out of the post, which is something that he's really improved on this year. And kind of all-around games from him and Tillman, too, getting after it on the other end of the floor as well. I mean, offensively, this Michigan State team, it, you can see how how many threats they have offensively. Like you said, Julian, we have five players, you know, shooting in double digits. I mean, that's that just shows you what they're capable of. And, I mean, come tournament time and Ohio State, Purdue, those games – those are going to be, you know, big tests to see how well they can score under a bigger, you know, amount of pressure. Yeah, and then another big thing for me, and we don't have to talk about it, we can move on to the next game, but Michigan State once again dominant on the glass, 48-25 to in the rebounding corner for both teams. I mean, you're not going to win many games if you're being out-rebounded by 20-plus. I mean, and that's, that's just how the ball rolls, and I think Michigan State continued their great play. They came into that game on a six-game winning streak. They improved that to seven with the win over Northwestern. And then the true test began. This was probably one of the bigger games, the the kind of litmus test at this point in the season for Michigan State going on the road and beating the then number 14, now number 16, 
Ohio State, 86 to 77, and I believe it's the Value City Arena. It is indeed the Value, Value City, City Arena. Arena. It's a good one, isn't it? The, also called the Schottenstein. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Value City Arena at like the the Schottenstein Center. Yes, the Schottenstein Center. Very nice facility. Yeah. Do I need I to say, say the whole name? The Value City Arena that, at the Schottenstein Center. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's just the. Sheesh. A lot of people call it the shot. We like to be accurate here. Too. We have our Columbus uh, connection here, Joe Dandrin. So he knows the insider stuff. So I'm, I'm from Ohio too. We oh, discussed sorry this. About that. Sorry we don't about know that. because he Jeez. said OH and you didn't say anything. Yeah, because I don't OH, root for that team. You could still say it. We're in red. Today. It's red. You got to rep the state. Mm-hmm. So, do you live in Ohio? Yes, I'm from Toledo, Ohio. Oh, okay. Does well, Toledo area. count? Really nice yeah, area. Toledo does count. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure. It's in the state. <laughs> Just okay. Moving on. <laughs> moving on though, but Michigan State goes on the road, gets the win. Against, like I said, number 14, Ohio. Number 14, now number 16, Ohio State. And, Luke, you, you got your hand raised. You're ready to talk about this one. Wow. <laughs> I, this was a, this was a, a game I had a, a very passionate opinion on following the game. Last year, the number one Michigan State Spartans marched into Ohio State with Jaron Jackson Jr., Miles Bridges. They were on a roll, and they were flat-out embarrassed and ran off the floor at Value City Arena in really their first through road test of last year, it was there were some demons that had to be you know knocked out of this game when Michigan State took the floor for this one. One guy in particular, Nick Ward, who is an Ohio native, grew up just minutes Gahanna outside of Columbus. Ghana. Ghana. He's from Ghana. Gahanna. Yeah. Gahanna. Even I I'm know not that. from Ohio anymore. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. Hey, shout out Gahanna Lincoln because that's where my cousins were. I they swear went people say Ghana. Really? Yeah, my cousins went to school with Nick Ward. Went to school with wow. my cousin wow. played. Was my cousin Siren. played with him. Um, but yeah, wow. but anyway, nevertheless, struggled mightily. Was a little bit. He said he was a little too quote unquote hyped up for that game last year when Michigan State was number one. But this year, a focused effort had a big challenge against Caleb Wesson in this game. You know, met that challenge head on. Put up a very strange stat line, which we'll kind of get into later. A lot of trips to the free throw line is a little hint, which is a little different for Nick Ward. But a big game. That it truly, in my opinion, this game was the turning point this year for Michigan State. This was the kind of game where they are on a certain tier and then go up to that next tier. No, and Michigan State, that was one of those games you talk about them getting trounced the last year, and they really needed to come in there and just get over that because Ohio State had a great year last year, and Ohio State is still a very strong team. But that was just a game that Michigan State really kind of, you know, for themselves needed to get that win. Um, and Wesson is incredible. Wesson is one of the most improved players in the conference. Um, great size and can play inside and out in the perimeter. Um, his brother's also a starter on that team. And it's, I mean, they, Ohio State is just great. And honestly, in Ward, you talk about the free throws, had a great game as well. Well, yeah, on behalf of Ward and everybody talking about him preseason, during season, Izzo saying how much he's matured. I mean, this was the game that kind of proved it. He went to Columbus, and he wasn't, you know, too obsessed with, you know, it's it's, a, it's Ohio State, blah, 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 blah. He just went out there and played basketball, and that's the maturity that Izzo's been talking about and everybody's been hyping up. That's where we saw it. Exactly, and I— Ward was huge in this game. 21 points, 8 rebounds, 3 blocks, 5 of 7 from the field. And as Luke and both Joe alluded to, 11 of 14 from the free throw line from a guy who usually doesn't shoot it too well at the line. 11 of 14 is, is huge. And I mean, while defensively there were some some issues, Caleb Wesson went out and got his. He's a great player. 25 points, 8 boards, 9 of 15 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3 for him. But 5 personal fouls. And 
that was a big piece of the game to me. I didn't think it was either team not executing well enough to win the game, but just Ohio State got into foul trouble, and with where Ohio State's at with their program, they lose a couple of players to foul trouble. It gets iffy as to who's coming in off the bench for them, and I think that was the issue, and they didn't have anyone to come in and, and take on Nick Ward later on. Yeah, you look at the kind of the problems down the stretch for Ohio State. Of course, Caleb Weston, huge game for him, 9-15 from the field, stretched it out and made a 3, 25 points. Of course, losing him extremely early to foul trouble in his matchup against Nick Ward hurt them. But also their their primary ball handler, C.J. Jackson, who's one of their more experienced players, kind of, you know, a guy that's a leader of that team. He, did, he played very sparingly in the second half due to some cramping, due to some injury concerns, and not having a, a, a veteran leader and an older guy to kind of take command of the floor, it really, you saw the toll that it took on Ohio State. No, and it's Ohio State, you know, is a much different team recruiting-wise um, under their current head coach since they had Thad Matta. And C.J. Jackson's been around for a minute, and he really is the, you know, runs that team on the offensive side of the floor. And, I mean, he is a huge leader for that squad as well. And not having him and then Wesson late is, you know, not good because, like you said, Julian, they're just not as deep as we've seen a lot of Ohio mm-hmm. State teams in the last, you know, decade or so. Yeah, and the one of the biggest stories for me, and uh, well, one of them, is to me it was a, a first half, second half once again for Michigan State. First half, very sluggish, especially towards the end. I mean, the only reason Ohio State goes out to that big lead that they go to heading into halftime it was a 10-0 run for them. It was off of three or two, I believe, Michigan State turnovers up at, up at that point, and that's kind of what led them to that. And I mean, the question for you guys is: Do you think you know it's happened again in Purdue as well? But do you think this Michigan State team is tired, and how long do you think they can keep this up, game in and game out, running in transition? And I mean, they're, if they're going to come out sluggish, do you see issues down the line? Oh yeah, definitely. And I see that with especially yeah, the Purdue game, which we'll talk about. I mean. A jump ball that goes out of bounds right at, right at the beginning, like just starting off slow and sluggish for teams that are going to be very, very tough to beat come the tournament time. That's unacceptable. You're not going to be able to win a game like that. You're not going to be able to start it off on a, on a good note and feel good and, and, you know, play well with that kind of start. And I don't know what they have to do to change that, but um, it's definitely going to be a factor when it comes tournament time. One of the, the kind of themes I've picked up from this team and, and kind of their style of play, and you talk about them getting tired at times, starts from Cassius Winston, who's kind of become a theme of this show. But in the first half of that Ohio State game, played very sluggish, looked a little bit off, didn't do a lot of scoring like we saw in that non-conference slate. And in the second half, comes out with his hair on fire, ends up putting 25 points up in that contest, leads the break, energizes his team, gets to the basket a little bit and creates for others. We're starting to see, in my opinion, that this team goes as Cassius Winston goes. Their effort is better when his effort is better, and when he is not playing at his best, Michigan State is not playing at their best. So you talk about being a little bit sluggish. I think it all comes from that point guard. No, and Cassius Winston is, like you said earlier, one of the best guards in the Big Ten. And, you know, there's begun a conversation for him being one of the best guards in the nation. And just the to me, the efficiency that he plays with shooting the basketball and just the way that he's able to affect the game, not just scoring. Obviously, scoring is a huge part of what he does for this team, but it is just massive. And they really do go as he goes. Um, and I believe that's going to be, you know, a huge part come tournament time because they say guard play pushes you, you know, through in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And it 
if he can play well in that NCAA tournament, then I think Michigan State, you know, could have a shot at a pretty decent run. Without a doubt, it's guard play and defense that wins it for you in the tournament. And and to me, the growth of of Cassius Winston has has been impressive. I mean, from where he's come, I always knew he was a a great facilitator and a guy who's going to set up his teammates. But these last couple of games, he's been able to turn it on when his team has needed it. Twenty five points in this game against Ohio State, five assists, eight to twelve from the field, and it really began. In that second half, he comes out dominant. He works better on defense as far as pick and rolls, and he he was a big part of taking it off the dribble, getting inside, shooting some threes that led to Michigan State taking uh, the early lead into early in the second half, about 14-minute mark in there, and them taking lead and ultimately going on to win that game. But moving on from Ohio State, we got to get to our last one. Finally, finally, we've made it, guys. We've made it. It's only been <laughs> so much basketball. 30, 40 minutes. A lot of games being played, but we have made it to the last game on Tuesday, Michigan State at home back at the Breslin Center where they route Purdue 77-59. to Another win for Michigan State continuing their win streak. A big one for them. They are now up to, let's see, we're going to count this off here. Starting from Rutgers, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, Ten. 8, 9. 10. 10. <laughs> Uh, wins in a row for Michigan State with the win against Purdue. And to me, it began with another slow start for the Spartans. And like I asked with Ohio State, it begs the question of where they go from here. But them winning this game all came from the play of Cassius Winston. I think he turned it on, the tail end of the first half, put the team on his back, then came out the second half, crushed it from there, and he was a big part. 23 points for him in this game, six boards, five assists, seven of 14 from the field, four of seven. From beyond the arc, he did have five turnovers, which goes against him, but I thought his play was fantastic. After Ward had kind of a an on-off night. I mean, he comes away with 16-9, and nine, but he didn't look, as I said when we were doing play-by-play -play for the game, he didn't look comfortable all game long necessarily. I thought Purdue played him pretty well, and he, he just maybe looked a little bit tired. Xavier Tillman played a lot of minutes as well in this one, played great. Um... But it was Winston's play, and then Matt McQuaid and Aaron Henry both combining to shut down Carson Edwards, and this one was an absolute blessing for Michigan State. No, Carson Edwards, 3 of 16 shooting in the game. I mean, he's their lead player. He's the best player on Purdue, and he's been the guy for them for the last two seasons. And, that you know, you can't, if you're, if you're Edwards, that's not something that you can let happen very often if you want this team to have a shot at the postseason, because... I mean, he laid an egg, and Carson Edwards is a great basketball player, and he's going to go. He is will go play professionally, and and he is an extremely high level player in college. But I mean, it was just a tough game for him, and you can really attribute that to the strong defense of Aaron Henry and Matt McQuaid. You know, kind of looking at this game once again, Cassius Winston in a matchup with with Carson Edwards, who's one of the better scorers in the nation. He outplays him on the offensive end, twenty three. Six boards, five assists, four seven from deep. This was a game on national television on ESPN, a matchup of two big time point guards. Even though they, uh, Winston was not guarding Edwards on the defensive end, but outscored him by a large margin, propelled his team to yet another victory. Kind of, you know, being that in that catalyst role. And like we were talking earlier about, you know, the point guards in the Big Ten and the point guards in the nation. You think Edwards. Xavier Simpson and you know Winston in this matchup between Edwards and Winston you know this one went to Winston I mean you can't talk enough about Winston I, 36 minutes he's played 36 minutes in that game he's got to be dog tired and Izzo knows that yet he still goes out there and 
you know, puts up 23 points for the team, that's the kind of guard you need. You need someone who is going to play through that um, tiredness and, you know, pain and um, be mentally tough to keep going. And um, I remember talking to him after the game and he was like, I mean, I'll play 40 minutes if they need me to. And and that's the kind of mentality you need out of a point guard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, about before going on about Matt McQuaid and his defense on Carson Edwards, one thing I do want to say about this win is that Purdue has faced a very tough schedule coming into this one, but to me this wasn't a team that was really that terrifying. I mean, Edwards is going to do what he does, 25 points and 25 and a half points a night for him, but there's not a whole lot around him. And while the defense was fantastic, I heard Brendan Quinn and um, I forget the name of the, his co-host on their podcast, Moving Screen, shout out to them, all respect to them for, for what they said and I was listening to, but some of the shots he has to take, you can't consider bad shots because he has to take them. There's no one else. I mean, Ryan Klein is at 12.5. Harms the guy coming off the bench at 7 and 7.8. He doesn't have anyone else. He has to do all of this, and this was a game where he was off. You look at this this Matt Painter-Purdue team in you know, 2018-2019 season so far, this is a team that's lost a lot of guys from some past Purdue teams that have been good. You look at guys like Caleb Swanigan, Isaac Haas, Vincent Edwards. These are guys that took a lot of points, you know, scored a lot of points for them, had a lot of production, and took a lot of pressure off of Carson Edwards to where it was more of a balanced attack. But as you saw in this game, 3 of 16, heaved up a lot of bad shots, maybe tried to do too much in this game. You could easily see the, the toll that a, that a less talented and, and certainly not as deep Purdue team took on Edwards in this game. No, and Edwards is... And like you guys keep saying, he's doing a lot of it by himself. You know, he's had last year was maybe one of Purdue's best teams in program history with Haas, Swain again, like ex- extremely talented team right there. They had like three NBA guys on that roster in the starting lineup. And is that's the thing is you say Edwards shots can be considered bad shots. Yeah, because he's doing it all on his own. And it's just that. I mean, for a guard, sometimes you can say, oh, he'll carry him or whatever, but that's tough. It's tough to do in night in and night out, and you can't – I know – I mean, I know, you know, about five minutes ago I was saying he (laughs) played terrible because he did not play that well. Uh, That's a game you've got to play well if you're the guy. But it's tough to do that night in and night out. I will, you know, acknowledge that fact. And I I do agree with you because there are times where he has to take the shot, but it could be a much better – he could go inside. I mean, this is a night where his shot is off. Take it inside. Go to the free throw line. Start getting a rhythm going. And that's where something he didn't do. But one guy, <clears throat> excuse me, who does get credit for the work on Carson Edwards is Matt McQuaid. And this is a guy who I struggled with last season watching this Michigan State team as to who he was as a player and how well he was going to be. But he came out this senior season and so far has been great for the Spartans. And I've been truly impressed with his play. Have you as well? Yes, I definitely, I mean, at first it was just Matt McQuaid's the shooter. You know, you expect him to make the three-point shots. And I feel like... You know, he's been under the radar with his defensive skills, even though that's all Tom Izzo talks about is how great of a defensive player he is. And I think, yeah, this game against Purdue really showed that. And he really proved himself. And, yeah, he only scored nine points, but he did his job. He did what Michigan State needed him to do. Quato, as they call him in the locker room. You saw. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to call him Yeah, that. I think that's a I'm him not, and Hondo a, thing. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, boy. Hondo. That's a story for another day. But he... Chris Collins, after the Northwestern game, a little bit earlier in the show we were talking about, he said guys like Kenny Goins, McQuaid, really have carved out their roles on this team and know what they need to do for this team to win. Matt McQuaid is a guy that, you know, he has carved out a role on this team, kind of like Collins said. 
a three and D kind of guy. He can guard multiple positions on the floor, like even a three or a, a dominant on the ball guard like Carson Edwards. He's a captain, an emotional leader for this team, and kind of a stabilizing force. And you saw earlier in the year they might have went through some struggles on the floor in terms of leadership and kind of a direction without a Matt McQuaid kind of in, in there to be a stabilizing force and a, and a constant in a team that has, you know, at times some inconsistencies. No, yeah, and that's one of those things that you saw early on in the year, but now as we've gone on, they've really built away from that and had a lot, got a lot of leadership out of guys like Arns, McQuaid, you know, even Kenny Goins um, has really stepped up, I think, especially this season. Yeah, and, you know, running out, we got Sport, uh, Spartan Red Zone coming in here to record theirs. But moving on from Purdue, because I think we, we've all hit the nail on the head with where we're at with Michigan State and this Purdue Boilermaker team as well. Michigan State will now take their talents on the road to Penn State to take on the Nittany Lions. Last time these two teams met up last a season ago, Michigan State defeated Penn State 76-68. That game was on January 31st of 2018. Penn State last year, 26-13 and overall, 9-9 nine and nine in the Big Ten. They wound up making it all the way in the NIT and beating Utah 82-66 for another NIT championship for them. This year, not as great. 7-9 and nine overall, 0-5 oh in the Big Ten. They have a couple of guys on their team to watch for with Lamar Stevens, averaging 18.6 points a game. 8.1 rebounds a game, shooting 42% from the field. And guard Rasir Bolden, 12.6 points, 38% from the field, 37% from three. And to me, this is this is another game I believe Michigan State will go out and win. I think they should, especially on paper. They are a better team than this Penn State. But I do like some of the matchups. I think they have some great, long, athletic guards that, I mean, we talked about Winston playing 30-plus minutes a night. These guys are going to push him around. And if his legs aren't ready, if he's tired, it could cause some sloppy play out of him. So I look at guys like Bolton and Reeves and Dredd, and they're all going to be a very interesting matchup. And then Stevens and Ward is going to be a good battle as well. Penn State just doesn't score the ball well enough to me, though, to win this game. 67.9 points a game as a team for them. I think Michigan State walks away with a W. No, and I would I would like to say that Michigan State's probably going to get in there and get a win, too, against the 7-9 Penn State team. Um, but road games, always kind of a toss-up. You know, never know when you're playing. It's a Big Ten game on the road. And the hardest thing to do in college basketball is win on the road. So, But I still do like Michigan State in this one. You mentioned Lamar Stevens watching his matchup versus a Nick Ward or whoever, you know, they might try multiple guys on him. He's one of, he's one of the better, more dynamic scorers in the Big Ten, in my opinion. He's a guy that, you know, can score in a variety of different ways. He's definitely the guy that Tom Izzo will need a game plan a little bit more for. But I see the Spartans winning pretty handily in this contest. Yeah, and this Spartan team is coming off of a nice break. Cassius Winston gets to rest. I mean, the whole team gets to rest. They've been just, you know, doing film and walkthroughs and stuff like that. So after that, coming into this game on Sunday, hopefully they'll be um, well-rested, and especially Cassius Winston will be out there and ready to play. I think MSU has this one. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to do predictions today just because I need to go back and update the board. Do you have a prediction, Luke? Well, I just wanted to bring up, one quick thing that really stood out to me, we covered a long spread of games. One piece of Tom Izzo sound that I thought was really interesting that I'd like to kind of get a quick reaction from you guys on was this one right here. Tom Izzo said, let's see if I can find it here. Of course, I hype it up and then can't find it. Here it is. Tom Izzo said this after the Ohio State game. We're not a better team than last year. Don't kid yourself. Can we, can we become one? Maybe. I'm trusting my team and they're trusting me. 
And kind of my question for you guys is, obviously this is not as talented a team as it was last year, but does this team have the potential to be better than last year's team? I think I think so. I think talent-wise, obviously they're not better, but I think this is a more easily coached team for Tom Izzo. I think a lot of the guys that he has now with Winston and Ward, he has been able to bend and mold into the players he wants them to be. As where Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges, while yes, they are very coachable guys, they have a certain amount of talent that kind of demands they play a certain way. And I don't think, I mean, you can look at the way Jaron Jackson was out for the Syracuse game and the fact that he could have been played at a small ball five and dominated college basketball, but he's played at the four because Nick Ward is a five and Izzo has a lot of faith in Nick Ward. And so I think that's kind of where this team is at. I think these are all guys Izzo can coach up, Izzo has ready, he prepares them, and they're going to listen to him, follow him all the way. No, and yeah, in terms of talent, this team is does I mean in my opinion really because you had Bridges Jackson doesn't necessarily really compare in that way in that sense mm-hmm. to the last year's squad but I believe that in terms of outcome and where this team can finish at the end of the year um in terms of postseason and just long term success throughout this year I think this team definitely can be yeah and you don't have those two players Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges this year that you kind of can depend on if other people are slacking. This is a team that they all have to do their jobs and that's a good thing. That's a good thing that they know that they can't rely on people if they're all slacking. They all have to be on point every single game. I think that's what can make them a better team. Yeah, I couldn't agree with the, the points you guys made more. This is a, a team in my opinion that that plays together more, plays as a unit. They take Tom Izzo's coaching better than last year. Once again, that's a story for another day. But it seems like this team is grittier, plays with a lot more emotion, plays with a lot uh, controlled emotion, let me say, plays a lot harder, and, and plays a really a full game. The ceiling of this team is is awfully high. I know last year with their athletic talent, you know, they had a title potential roster, but the ceiling of this team is just as high. Yeah, well, Luke, thank you for that. Got some reactions out of there, but we got to end this one out. I don't know where we got to go, but I think we got to get out of here, to be honest. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, listening to another Impact Izone. I hope we did great. This first episode without Ryan Cole. I think it Ooh. went pretty well, though. I think it went well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to my Maybe shout even better. My... Maybe even better than the ones Ooh. before. Ooh. Hot take. That's just taking Ooh. shots at, at shots the man, Ryan Cole. Wait, well, I just want to give a quick shout at the end of here to Ryan Cole. You know, I hope he's doing well. Over yeah, much. 9 and 10 oh, news. Over up in Big news star. Cadillac. Caddy. Caddy. <laughs> Cadillac. But once again, thanks for listening to Impact Izone. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us five stars. Tweet at us at Impact89FM Sports on Twitter. You can tweet at me as well at J underscore Mitchell. Amanda, your Twitter handle? I believe it's Amanda underscore 1815 or it's just Amanda 1815. I just. Mm-hmm. One of the two. You can search yep. Amanda Pool. Luke? <laughs> Luke. Sloan underscore seven, a lot of hot takes on there. It's a nice follow. I'd recommend. <laughs> oh yeah, if you wanna if you want your fair share of uh Cleveland takes from my Twitter page, it oh, is uh, my goodness. at Joseph Dandrin. There we go. There we go. You wanna shout out the M. pod? I, at Joseph Dandrin, M I. You wanna shout out the pod? The morning Joe. Oh hey, also at the Morning Joe weekly podcast with me and another buddy of mine, Joe Fryhofer. Well, I'm I'm all good. There we go. We'll give you yeah. the shout-out there. But Michigan State goes on Sunday, January 13th to take on Penn State at 430 on CBS. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Julian Mitchell. We'll see you next time.